Hello listener, welcome to the Switch It podcast. It was all a bit soggy in Guwahati, but we're about to start the party at the Narendra Modi. Yes, it's time for the World Cup to finally ramp up, with 48 matches across the next 47 days, and the potential for super overs to decide every single one of them. England love to attack, but can they put on a solid defence? The reigning champions have experience aplenty, and we will be one of the teams to beat, even if the bookies can't see past another victory for the host nation. To tell us why it's coming home or otherwise, I'm joined today by ESPN Quick Info UK editor Andrew Miller and from World Cupsville itself, assistant editor Matt Roller. Uh, hello, chaps. Firstly, Matt, tell us about downtown Ahmedabad and how fantastic their ginormous stadium is. It's very big, I can confirm. Um, I had quite an enjoyable interaction on the plane with two uh, German men sat in my row who were going to a, I think, a land reform conference in Ahmedabad this week and had no idea about the World Cup. And one of them sort of uh, leaned over, showing me the, the Wikipedia page for the Narendra Modi Stadium and saying, you know, it's quite big, isn't it, this this sport? Um, and I thought, yeah, I suppose it is, actually. And you do get a bit of a reminder of that whenever you come back to the subcontinent. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, thankfully it's been in, been dry um, in more ways than one. Obviously, no alcohol in, in the state of Gujarat, but uh, since I landed here, so uh, hopefully the the rain that blighted most of the warm up games in uh, Kerala and Guwahati is uh, a thing of the past for this tournament's sake. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it, all set for England have, have just arrived at the time of recording in, in Ahmedabad and. Uh, we'll train tomorrow night before the big one on, on Thursday against New Zealand. And it's already framing as, as quite a big game in the context of the tournament. I think it's obviously easy to read too much into the, the first of nine group games. And there's a lot of room and scope, as England showed in 2019, to have a few slip-ups along the way and still manage to sneak through to the semis. But um, particularly with the way England's fixtures are, they play India, Australia and Pakistan are three of their last four group games. If they slip up against New Zealand, there's suddenly quite a lot of pressure on those games that they feel they should win, the next four of them, but they can't really afford to uh, put a foot wrong uh, heading into that that back end of the group stage. So while it's only one game, it does feel like uh, they, they'll need to, uh, to to start the tournament uh, with, a, with a win. Well, well done for trying to inject some jeopardy there at an early stage. We'll, we'll get on to the, uh, the round-robin <laughs> format and how it sucks uh, uh, the uh, the life out of um, the tournament potentially uh, in a bit but um, uh, good effort there and and, and just just um, uh, while we're on uh, starting with a bang and the uh, the opening game of the tournament I'm sure you're desperately sad to miss out on, a, on an opening ceremony <laughs> yeah uh, all reports suggest that we'll have a, a quiet launch compared to usual uh, Miller and I were reminiscing about the 2019 event which I can't say I remember at all where apparently 400 people lined up in the mall including various uh, unlikely candidates like Chris Hughes from Love Island and Stephen Pienaar the old Everton winger um, to celebrate the the colours of cricket or something along those lines so um, yeah I I don't know exactly what we'll get this time but it sounds like it'll be relatively low-key compared to what uh, maybe might be expected but yeah um, it it still feels like uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily feel like World Cup fever has completely taken over India. The um, woman who stamped my passport at immigration had no idea that the World Cup was starting this week. But um, let's hope she's the exception to the rule because we could do with a, a, a big launch for the tournament, I think, and hopefully a, a decent crowd as well because that stadium is going to feel very empty if there's only 50 or 60,000 in. Yes, well, uh, I think uh, I think the official capacity is something like 120,000, uh, the biggest 
cricket stadium, possibly even the biggest sports stadium, one of the biggest sports stadiums in the world. I think from trawling Wikipedia, there's one in North Korea that that is bigger. But anyway, it's 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 pretty solidly up there. Um, Miller, you can you can probably take us back to uh, 1999 and the, and the, the opening ceremony there. But um, I won't. I won't try to imagine how your your back might hold up to, to travelling around India for the next uh, five or six <laughs> weeks. But uh, and never mind the fact the English summer finished about ten minutes ago. Uh, I'm sure you're champing at the bit for uh, some more World Cup action. Oh, absolutely! Talking 1999. I mean, I mean, World World Cup opening ceremonies, broadly speaking, are rubbish. I mean, 1999 <laughs> was over and above the most awful thing that's ever been devised. Basically, a bunch of smoke bombs on a damp that hit Lords with Tony Blair's microphone fusing while he was trying to give his opening speech. So that was an absolute car crash. The only good one, um, well, actually, 2007 was all right. I ended up live blogging that from somewhere in St. Kitts. It was in Trelawney, north north, north of um, Jamaica. That was a half-decent one. The only good one, really, was Bangladesh in 2011, when they when they really took on the, the mantle. You know, they, 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 they saw this as... Uh, a real honour, and and blew the, blew the socks off it with with a proper proper event. Um, last time out, as as uh, Matt and I were trying to reminisce, as I I literally can remember, I thought it was in the Olympic Stadium. I thought for some reason there had been some event in the Olympic Stadium, but I think that was the original plan, and then it fell through for all sorts of logistical reasons. And so yeah, it was just a few people gathered around Andrew Flintoff on the wall. It was very strange. Um, but no, I mean this, this is the this is the point that I think we learned from 19, from the twenty nineteen event is like it was a desperately low key build up, but then cricket's actually quite a good game, you know when when you when you get stuck into the the nitty gritty of it and just let the game speak for itself rather than have to inject hype and and puffery into it all the time, it's actually pretty good fun, and um, I think we will have a lot of fun over the, over the coming forty eight games, whatever it is, um, and yeah, as as you say, this this opening match. Feels like it should be a should be a proper humding. I mean, we had a really weird series just just now back in England when you know it was about as far removed from the the jeopardy of the 2019 World Cup final when basically each of the teams got thrashed in turn. Uh, but there were entertaining thrashes. And England got thrashed first up, then um, delivered three thrashings, and they will be very happy to deliver a fourth if they possibly can. I suspect they'll be tired from that, uh, as we saw again in 2019. England went into that tournament with. Reputation, I think Virat Kohli was was ribbing them, saying they're going to be the first team to score five hundred, bloody blah. But as it turned out, getting to three hundred was a pretty good achievement in that in that tournament. I think everything tightens up a little bit, doesn't it, when when you're on the big stage? Which again comes back to, I suppose, the strategy England are going in with. They they are backing the fact they've got a bunch of guys who have been there, done it, bought the t-shirt, worn the t-shirt, worn the medal, and will wear the medal again. Ultimately, they they believe that they will be in the in the reckoning because they've got the the mindset that, that that can take them all the way. That's that's basically everything that England runs on at the moment is 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 vibes and fumes essentially, and uh, they they believe it'll be enough to get get them as far as it takes. Well, uh, they will be hoping that's the case because they haven't had much in the way of preparation. Um, <laughs> the uh, let's 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 go uh, to India. Let's get to India. Matt's already in India, but we we will <laughs> occupy the mindset. Uh, to, to borrow Miller's mantra, um, a test of technique, temperament, and your capacity to take full advantage of the in-flight entertainment. Uh, England slept across the continent for two warp games in Guwahati and managed to squeeze an exactly 66.1 overs of action against <laughs> Bangladesh uh, after Saturday's contest with India was washed away. Um, 
Miller, there wasn't too much to be gleaned from a four-wicket win, uh, but at least everyone in the squad bar, Ben Stokes, got, got a bit of a runaround. Yeah, it was a deeply weird day. I mean, it looked, looked as a gift after the events of Saturday, when it basically a cyclone hit the stadium and blew all the signage away. Um, once uh, once it started raining after 30 overs, I kind of assumed that would be it. So I took the dog for a walk and thought, you know, the day's done. I'd even written up the match report. And then suddenly back they come three hours later and they somehow managed to lose only 26 overs in the entire match. It's quite impressive. Um, but as it happens, England just put the put the, put the the hammer down as they as they tend to do. The one with 77 balls to spare. Absolutely no standing on ceremony right from the start when Dad Milan smacked his first ball before and then nicked the second. Johnny Bairstow went loco. Um, got um, Josh Butler went loco, should have been out a couple of times, but um, made 30 from 15. And then Morinelli goes loco. So, um, I mean, if this is how England are going to operate. They, they believe that they can, they can rush to the finish of any given assignment and um, they're not going to worry about um, collateral along the way. I mean, that, that's really been the, the mentality they've taken ever since 2015. And, you know, we've, we've seen it before. We've seen it with Basball as well. There will come times in in this approach when you've got to just second-guess yourself and, and you know, find find a moment, find a lower gear perhaps to, to get to the, the, the end game that you're looking for. But right this moment, England are, are practising range hitting as, as usual and um, I see no reason to deviate from that approach until until such time as they're forced to deviate by circumstance. And, uh, I mean, I haven't started yet, so might as well go with the, the mentality and the approach they believe is going to work and um, boshing it is uh, what has worked for them very well for, for seven years now. Yes, uh, it, it's, it's the Morgan way is now the Butler way. Um, Matt, I mean, most importantly, um, after the, I think it was a 38-hour journey, uh, uh, Johnny Bairstow at least uh, uh, posted that on, on, on the socials. Um, Chaos, I think, was the, was the, uh, the subtitle. Um, the caption contest... Uh, after unfolding all of the fast bowlers from the you know being stowed in with the luggage uh, everyone was able to get on the pitch and uh, and you know have a spell uh, particularly um with the uh, the players in mind that England have been kind of keeping cotton wool Adil Rashid and Mark Wood uh would bowl us bowl three overs took one wicket uh Rashid bowled five overs and took a couple uh, and I guess that just a reassuring sight to see them uh, on the field uh, and and doing uh, what they're there to do um, ahead of w- what is you know going to be a pretty punishing schedule over the next six weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you look at around the tournament, there are a lot of teams that are, are struggling a lot worse than England with with injury crises. So um, yeah, for them to have got through these warm up games seemingly unscathed, um, for for Wood to have bowled three overs and taken a wicket, and, and Rashid to have got a couple and his five as well. Um, yeah, pretty positive signs. I think I, I, England have been pretty good at keeping their counsel publicly and saying the right things, but I think uh, maybe may probably the odd grievance about being sent to uh, somewhere quite as far away as Guwahati, which is right over towards Bangladesh for people who aren't aware and about as far from England as you can possibly get, and then all the way back across to the west of India to uh, to Ahmedabad for the first game. It's not exactly a, a dream schedule, especially when you've got... Um, a pretty grueling fixture list in the group stage. England play uh, in in eight different cities. They they're one of two teams along with India not to play back to back games in a city at any point in the tournament. Um, so it's it, it will be a tough tournament for them. But that's why they've picked this squad with 
with six fast bowlers in it. That's why they've gone with someone like David Willey, who's described himself as, as the donkey in a sort of self-deprecating way because of the fact that he's got a pretty good fitness record and, and backs himself to get through the tournament without an injury. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, the warm-up games, as much as anything, are about getting out of there unscathed. And uh, that seems to be the approach from England last night, getting out there as quickly as possible as well. Butler says after the game, they hadn't really specifically spoken about their approach, but... Um, scoring at a tick over uh, what eight and over um, and having mowing hit six sixes in 39 balls having come in four down in the 11th over um suggests that or, or maybe even five down um suggests that there's uh you know they, i think they're pretty keen to get back to the hotel knock the warm up on its head and have a bit of downtime before their flight uh over out west yeah there was there was more than i would have expected uh on feedback, suggesting England were doing this all wrong and should be, you know, taking it seriously and, and <laughs> getting full 37 overs in the middle. Uh, I mean, Miller, Joe Root did uh, did sort of take it seriously um, and, and anchored the chase, if we can describe it that way. Um, he didn't actually face a lot of this, uh, didn't face many balls, didn't uh, get much of the strike. He finished at 26 off 40. Probably could have been out twice in that innings as well. Uh, I mean, England tried to get him a bit more uh, practice in uh, after the New Zealand series by adding him to the Ireland squad, uh, and then that uh, first ODI headingly was washed out as well. Um, I mean, it's obviously not for want of trying uh, that uh, that he is um, is doing his best to to get some form. Um, it hasn't clicked yet. But um, I, I'm assuming there'll be no reason to panic just yet, uh, uh, you know, in the, the, the team management meetings. I don't think there's a reason to panic, but he will be, I suspect he's very confused with where his game is at the moment. Because, you know, he, that, that's another pretty horrible innings he produced there. He should, he should have been caught. Uh, there was a horrible top edge. His only boundary, in fact, in 40, 40 balls was a top edge that flew over the head of, I think, Tuscan Army down the boundary. And he should have caught it. And he, in the end, he sort of knocked it over the rope. So... It's it, you know when 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 everyone else is going loco at the other end, then he's chugging along with one boundary and forty balls, and looking as though he's trying to get a move on. It's not ideal. Um, you know, there, there's awful lot. You know, mindset is is the mantra, isn't it? Everyone talks about mindset, and you do wonder if Root's mindset is just a little bit unsure of where he's at at the moment. I mean, it's uh, you know he hasn't played twenty over cricket for an awfully long time. Um, for various reasons, mostly because he's been so so involved in the test test team as captain initially, and then ultimately as as the key the key batter in the basketball reboot and all the rest of it. But uh, you, you compare his his situation with well Ben Stokes on the one hand, we had um, Ben Stokes when he was um, making his one eight two at the Oval last week. He was he stopped and sort of looked around, and he, he, he was saying afterwards in the press conference, there's a I was like, like marveling at how much time there is. I was like, wow, I'm on 150 and I've got 25 overs left. It's amazing. Well, the possibilities endless. And likewise, Darren Milan, who you know, he's suddenly burst into the into the reckoning. Uh, he's he's basically spent his life poo-pooing the notion that he's too slow in in 20 over cricket because he has got this absolute conviction that he will catch up at the end of an innings. You know, his acceleration when he's got to 50 is like 200 200 run 200 strike run or whatever it is it's preposterous and so now he's been given this immense stage and, and the form and focus he's in he's going to believe that if he gets a one from ten balls in the power play yeah I'll catch up I've got no problems here 
does Root believe that in the same way? I'm not convinced. He he knows he doesn't have the power game that the rest of the team has got. And I just I just sense he, he's just not sure of the tempo he's meant to be going at to anchor this anchor this team anymore. The, the, you know we it, the whole of, whole of this World Cup I suspect, and you know we will we it will push will come to shove. I mean we, as I mentioned, Virat Kohli was egging England on to get 500 last time out. But I suspect if we, the pitches are pretty good, given the approach that a whole load of teams are going to be taking, basically this is an extended 2020 game, we could see some preposterously big scores. We saw Heinrich Milan and Co. put on 400 plus, and of which 200 was 200 or so was in the last 20 overs. It's there. There is an opportunity here for some big scores. So, does Root believe that he's holding the team up? Is 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 some something in the back of his head thinking, I'm not quite quick enough for the the expectations of of this team anymore um i tell you what the one thing that would probably help to settle his position in the side and and his own his own nerves because look i agree i don't think any of his teammates were panicking but i suspect his internal monologue is a little bit a little bit confused at the moment but there's an awful lot of talk about the 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 black clay and the red clay of india isn't it i think they were talking about it in gauhati the other day that there was a black clay pitch and you know, the ball comes through nicely. And, and we saw this when on England's test tour in uh, a couple of winters ago when they, when they played the, the red clay, I think, in... in it was uh, one, of the, one of the tests where they were... Chennai. Two-day test, wasn't it? Chennai, well, that's right. It was a two-day two test. It was a red red clay pitch. I think what would really suit Root, and it probably doesn't suit England in general, would be to get a pitch where, you know, getting to 250 would be a massive achievement. And, you know, a guy who will be... Trust it, just to just to hang in there, nudge the singles, work the strike, grind it a bit, and and not have to worry about thinking I'm I'm slowing up the machine here because there there are there's a blazing saddles of guys further down the order, and you know I'm I, I'm I'm taking up vital balls here. I think being trusted to be Joe Root, the best batsman, the best technical batsman in the team, in in a tough situation, is what he's out there for, and um, I think it would do him a lot of good. To get a get a get a get a hard fought sixty from seventy balls in a in a grind, and you know be the be the difference in in a, in a close fought game. That that's probably uh, the, the the sort of the sort of mindset demands that, that he's putting on on himself at the moment. I suspect. Well, the the beauty I suppose of this uh, tournament is that there's every chance he will get that opportunity. There's there's full range of. Uh, conditions, uh, venues, uh, as Matt's touched upon, uh, England uh, play in eight different cities um, in the in the group stage, um, and uh, we yeah, we will I'm sure hear plenty over the coming weeks about the variety uh, and breadth of, of conditions and uh, pace and bounce in Kolkata and, and and spin in Chennai and so on. I mean. Um, Matt, Ahmedabad was uh, the, the scene of, of a couple of pretty painful um, defeats for the test team uh, on tour um, a couple of years ago. Um, I don't remember many of them spinning, actually. Uh, missing straight balls seemed to be a problem from, from <laughs> Aksar Patel. But um, but what, what, are, what are the sort of, what's the word on the ground for this uh, for this opener, um, what what are the um, conditions likely to be? I, I don't think we're expecting rain. Um, thankfully, it looks looks pretty hot from the uh, the, the, the weather forecast. Um, but what what do you think England will be looking at in terms of you know the data and their the balance of their side uh, for, uh, coming up against an opponent that they 
uh, know very well, of course, the, the rematch of the 2019 final, rematch of last month's uh, four ODI series, not to mention four T20s as well. Uh, they England and New Zealand know each other uh, intimately. Um, but uh, yeah, where, where are the, what are the pointers we should be looking out for, do you think? Well, I, I think as Miller says, there's going to be a lot of talk about soil colours, which is always um, particularly enlightening. Um, it does make a huge difference. I, I think throughout the IPL earlier this year in Lucknow, if you came up against the black soil, you were in serious trouble. So um, it is definitely something to keep half an eye on, but um, anything more than that would probably be over the top. Um, I think, to be honest, the, the big thing, one of the big things with this World Cup is obviously in the sort of original pre-COVID schedule, it was originally going to be played in, in March time, which I think is a more um, you know a, a more normal time to be hosting cricket in India, whereas there's not actually been that many games played in October, November window compared to compared to some. Uh, so there's, there's a certain amount of unknown in most of these venues um, because of the fact that even where there is data, often it's not hugely relevant to what a 50-over game is going to be like. Um, I think one of the things to, to keep an eye out for throughout the tournament, and I'll be interested to see uh, just how big an effect it has, is, is uh, due because the day nine game started two. Um, there's clearly going to be a massive difference in conditions between playing in you know potentially 35 to 40 degree heat in the middle of the afternoon versus playing in cooler temperatures with floodlights on, with potentially dew around and. Uh, you know, we you, obviously you hope for the competitive integrity of the tournament that it doesn't get to the point that it was in 2021 in the UAE, where that T20 World Cup was almost defined by the tosses as much as the cricket. Um, but I think that will be something to keep an eye out for. Um, and yeah, I suppose in terms of England's selection, um, they've obviously picked a squad with with six seamers in it, um, in the full knowledge that it is a grueling schedule and, and will probably rotate through the group stage in a way they didn't in. 2019, where it was very much strongest 11 every single game. Um, it, I think the the, the the dilemmas, I suppose, with selection are whether they go uh, three seamers and three spinners, those three spinners being Rashid, Moen and Liam Livingston, uh, which I think is the most likely outcome, or they could potentially leave out either Moen or, or Livingston to squeeze in an extra seamer and go four quicks and two spinners. My my instinct is that that might be overkill in in... The first game, I think they might go with that balance in, in Darham Sala in the second game where it's going to be much closer to the, the temperatures that you guys are experiencing in, in London and 1,500 metres above sea level. Um, but yeah, I think to start with, they'll probably go three seam, three spin. Uh, if everyone's fit, I think those three seamers will be Wood, Wokes and probably Curran. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel like compared to 2019, we maybe shouldn't read too much into the 11 for the first game because I feel like England are going to have to use you know, minimum 14 and probably 15 players from the squad this time around versus 13 in 2019. Um, and in terms of uh, their opponents, Miller, um, we said there, there aren't be, going to be too many mysteries there, but um, injuries and, and preparation, uh, we've talked a lot about during the build-up. Significantly, New Zealand are going to be without uh, Kane Williamson, who uh, he's done very well to be at the tournament, and uh, he's continuing to rehab after that serious knee injury. Um, no Tim Southey from the looks of it either, uh, after yeah, England injured him um, last month. Um, so, I, I mean, th- that is uh, potentially a couple of uh, big holes uh, for New Zealand, albeit Southey didn't play a great uh, role at the last World Cup. No, indeed. I mean, with where Williamson's concerned, it's, it, it, 
I mean, in some ways, it's a blessing, I think, not to, not to be throwing him back in right like that, because they have at least been preparing to not have him. You know, they, 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 they've been batting for the past however long since, 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 since his injury the, the, in, in terms of, yeah, we, we would like to have him back. Obviously, he's a huge cog, a huge, huge anchor for the team. But, I mean, in throwing him back in after, I mean, I think he, like, he got a 50 the other day in his, in his warm-up game. But it's a, it's, a, it's a big old, big old stage, a big old, as, as Matt mentioned at the top, huge jeopardy riding on this game. It's lovely notion to have him back for, for that game, but probably would be preferable to get him get embedded into into a few lower key matches and then build his build his levels back up to for the for the sharp end rather than rather than now. So at least they've, they've had their practice without without him. And as you say, Super Southy, I mean I'm I'm astonished he's out there at all, to be perfectly honest. It you know, it sounded sounded like he you know, it looked like a proper proper breaking of his thumb and, and dislocation as well. I mean, it, you know, when you hear that you fly straight back to New Zealand after after the, after the, after that match. I kind of thought that was the end of his tournament. So um, I'm I'm delighted he's out there. But as you say, he he, he had a, he had a strange old time. His, his most notable contribution in 2019 was a outstanding catch in the deep. I think to him, was it Joss Butler he he bagged in the final. Mm, um, yeah, that, that was probably his his one defining contribution to that tournament. But of course, England remember him for well for from his seven for. Uh, at the caked in when when um, when we were absolutely eviscerated by by New Zealand in 2015. So um, you know there, there, there's uh, there's plenty of history between these two teams at World Cups, and um, I I have total confidence it's going to be another good game. I mean uh, it, it always is. I mean New Zealand. I mean I think we we're all sizing up who's going to make the make the last four. Bloody blah. New Zealand always make the last four. I mean no one ever talks about them. I think Ravi Shastri was doing a piece. Uh, for 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 us the other day, and uh, obviously the the locks India, England, and Australia. I mean, the both will remain. Maybe discuss that later 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 <laughs> on. But then talking about you know Pakistan and South Africa as the potential bolters. No mention of New Zealand. I mean, they're, they're always they'll always be in the running. They they they. I mean, it's it, I can't I can't count on off the off the top of my head how many times they've been in the semi-finals, but almost always <laughs> from 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 memory. And and they'll be in the running. Once Certainly, again, the I, last no yeah, the last uh, four or five uh, ICC tournaments they've got a very good um, record. And uh, I mean, in, we'll, we'll perhaps come on to some of the players to watch and some predictions. But um, I think Dale Stain has tipped Trent Bolt as the as the leading wicket taker. Um, and uh, Matt, uh, England have recruited a a, a specialist dog thrower. Uh, for to to help them prepare for this left arm menace. Yeah, um, one of those sort of niche stories, I suppose, that pops up in the build up to a World Cup. But yeah, they've uh, they've, they've got Saurabh and Bakar in, who's uh, worked with KKR extensively. I think they've basically brought him in via uh, Wayne Bentley, who's the the team sort of operation manager, who also works with KKR. And uh, yeah, all of England's. Uh, coaches throw with their right arm, so uh, you know. I, I think it's a it's a happy coincidence as much as anything that they've got a left armor in uh, in for this tournament, but can't hurt. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, Bolt's return is one of those things, isn't it? Where it's easy to take for granted. It was probably always going to happen uh, after his his decision to turn down his central contract, and then when he missed out on selection for a long period of time after last year's T Twenty World Cup, but uh, he showed in that that bilateral series just gone. I think he took eight wickets in his two games. Um, you know, I stuck the TV on last night to uh, watch England's warm-up game, and they were showing him sticking one into Reza Hendricks' shin in Kerala. And I thought, yeah, this is 
it's going to happen again, isn't it? He's inevitably going to have a, a brilliant World Cup. He's, um, you know, he's uh, he's only played just over a hundred ODIs, but in a different era, he would probably have played two hundred or so and be widely considered as one of the format's all-time greats because he's uh, unbelievably dangerous with that new ball and, and pretty useful at the back end of the innings as well when he's got that extra protection of the fifth man out. So, yeah, I think you could you could definitely see a world in which he starts the tournament uh to to Johnny Bairstow and uh it, it should be a should be fireworks one way or the other where you know he could stick one into his pad or uh it could be Bairstow taking him down early on and, and really setting the tone for a big England total but uh yeah should be good to watch one way or, or the other of course there's, like, think- there's that great sliding doors moment as well from the from the World Cup final so many sliding doors moments but that, <laughs> that first ball he bowled to Jason Roy which is the most out not out LBW I've ever seen in my life <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it wasn't given live, and um, I'm sure most New Zealand can't. But anyway, raking over old old wounds. So let's let's let's, let's leave on that one. Well, plenty of time for that over the, the next uh, yeah sort of 48 hours or so. Um, I don't think Ian Smith could believe it wasn't given out uh, from, from memory of the commentary. Um, and Bolt, if I'm uh, if I'm right, took eight wickets in two games uh, in in the series last month. So uh, yes, happy signs. Um, on the on the format, I mean, much discussed. Uh, not exactly the uh, uh, the World Cup of Nations uh, bringing bringing in uh, you know uh, uh, the men from far and wide. There is an associate team, of course. Uh, Netherlands made it through uh, the, the the battle royale uh, qualifier. I mean, the danger potentially with the the round robin format is you spend five and a half weeks uh, getting to the semi-finals that everyone were predicting at the start and whether that's uh, India, England, Australia, uh, Miller might uh, cavil at that inclusion um, and then one of uh, Pakistan, New Zealand or uh, South Africa. Um, It might lack jeopardy um, or it might not. England made it interesting last time around. Um, The broadcasters are certainly happy. I mean, uh, uh, I'm going to ask you both, I suppose, for um, predictions where where the uh, where the, uh, the 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 surprises might come, um, and and any uh, any things that we should be looking out for, uh, aside from just uh, the the happy prospect of Netherlands knocking over some of the the bigger teams. <laughs> um, Miller, I think you're particularly champing at the the bit to talk about Australia's chances here. <laughs> well, I, d- I, d- I don't know if you know, I want to specifically talk about Australia, but I I, I do <laughs> I do wonder if taking taking their Excellence for granted is a mistake. I mean, I, 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 I don't know. It struck me just watching the warm-up game. I think 180 for five against against um, Pakistan and Ben Maxwell in the in in the middle again. And it strikes me that you know Australia's one-day fortunes. You know, they, they they Maxwell kind of epitomizes the the innate conservatism that that that, that they that they've uh, fallen back on in 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 their white ball cricket. <laughs> I mean, if it's strange if, for if, an Englishman to say that about it's, Australia. Isn't it weird? Isn't it weird? It's like you know, if, if Maxwell was if if Maxwell was an England player in this era, he would be absolutely front and centre of everything that England were trying to build their team around. He would be he'd batting number four. He'd be given full license to go maxi ball every every single innings, and and you know, you'd have protection around him in case it goes wrong. But that protection would probably be every bit as ballistic. I mean, that, that's basically how England was set up. And you know, instead, you know, the, the old firm of Smith and Labuschagne back as if it's a test match it's like i, I don't know I, I i'm i'm not 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 blown away but again you know come come up against a few tricky red red soil pitches and suddenly <laughs> the, the value of, of proper technique uh, comes flooding back out 
But you know, just on, on the on the general format, though. I mean, you know, we saw this in 2019. We saw it in in, in 1992, for that matter. It's um, this format does work. I mean, you can you can talk all you like about the the lack of um, associates, and that is that is a flaw clearly, and it will be rectified when there's a 14 team tournament next time out. But given this is where we're at, I've got no no truck with it being all plays all because you know we we saw last time out all it took was england messing it up at key moments and that causes cascades up and down the whole table it's like one of the favorites falters against someone you don't expect it causes ripples in every direction and that's someone you didn't expect suddenly only has to beat a couple more people and suddenly they're vaulting into the into the reckoning and then you get one team probably india but it may be maybe someone else steamrolls everyone and so that's one place secured and then if you lose two you're you're you're, you're starting looking at your shoulder if you lose three you're really starting to panic you lose four you're out i mean that's that's basically how it how it stacked up in 2019 and i've got no reason to doubt it will be like that i mean you know if all beat all and you suddenly got a table table that isn't one two three four five losses then it's a humdinger anyway so you know i i i think either either you get the the, the best teams do what you expect and maybe lose to each other and then the person who's in fourth place and fifth place is having a proper bun fight to get into the into the reckoning and it's still interesting because you know you're still relying on favors from elsewhere in the table i think it works i i, I would be astonished if it's not fascinating we had worries i think in 2019 where i think it was a bit of rain early on and england were doing the right thing and then suddenly lose to pakistan as like oh hello it's happening again pakistan are doing what pakistan always do at world cups and england are bottling it and you know that was the that was the mid tournament narrative until such time as we got to the knockouts and suddenly oh yeah the best teams have made it oh, that was that was fun wasn't it um so you know because ultimately in a tour in a world cup it's all very well having having upsets and having chaos along the way but ultimately you want the best teams to get to the final i mean let's face it that, that that's what you that's what you want you don't want to get to the end of a world cup and think they really deserve to win that i i i i i would i think i think you know broadly speaking you look down the history of the world cup very very rare if ever can you say that the the, the team that won it didn't deserve to win it even pakistan in 1992 you know we 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 can quibble about the the, the rain get out in the in the group stage, but by the end of that tournament, they were absolutely flying. They were streets ahead of England, who had set the pace all through. So you know that that's you know that that's that's how these tournaments can can map out. It's a long old long old schlep, as Matt's going to find out. <laughs> and um, you know, by the end of it, there will be some pretty knackered bodies and one team standing. And, and here I was clinging on to the romance of Kenya getting to the last four in 2003. <laughs> Come on, Matt, you've got your passport stamped during the country now. You can uh, boldly predict that India are going to muck it up and not make the top four. Well, I, I'm almost certain that India are going to make the top four. And I think the much more interesting question is whether or not they're going to be able to cope with what will be an extraordinary amount of pressure on them uh, in the semi-finals or final. Because you know it's all we've as we saw at last year's T20 World Cup. It's all very well playing fearless, attacking bowl cricket um, in bilateral series, but can you do it when you're asked to bat first on a belter in a knockout game with everyone in the crowd expecting that you're going to go wild? And the answer at the Adelaide Oval was uh, was no. Uh, they got 170 against England, which got wiped out with four overs to spare and 10 wickets in hand in one of the all-time great knockout drubbings in a World Cup, despite the fact they were a pretty stellar side in that tournament. 
uh, and it's you know it, it will probably take another six weeks until we have an answer to this question. But it, it that is the key one for me is can India uh, cope with what everyone expects of them when it comes to the the crunch? I think I find it very difficult to imagine if you know England got through with six wins and, and three losses last time. I find it very difficult to think that India won't win six out of nine group games in this tournament. Uh, the big question is yeah still whether they can. Uh, whether they can get the combination right heading into those knockout stages because they have a such a strong squad of 15 that they could go so many different ways with it. There are probably four or five different 11s that would all make a, a hell of a lot of sense. Um, but they're going to have to make some tough calls and leave out some big guns. And uh, yeah, I, I think that is the, 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 the thing that will loom over this tournament throughout. Um, in terms of the, the format, I think uh, the hope is that the uh, the Asian teams, specifically Bangladesh, Afghanistan and Sri Lanka will, will compete a bit better than they did uh, last time around in probably slightly more familiar conditions, um, particularly Afghanistan. It was you know, hard to see them going through nine group games without registering a, a win given the, the potency of their spin attack. Um, but yeah, I think, I think hopefully we'll, we'll be in a position where even if, say, India steamroll the group stage, there will be enough of a pack that heading into that last round or two of games, there's still a lot to play for because, um, yeah, if there are if there are four clear semi-finalists from week two or three, then it could could be a little bit of a drag getting through to those semis. Oh well, Bob played both of you excellent job of talking uh, up the prospects. Um, happily for English fans, um, this format, uh, nine or ten teams round robin, round robin. Um, England have a 100% record of reaching the final. So. Uh, <laughs> uh, quickly, um, before we move on to sort of any other business, I, I want um, from both of you uh, uh, a winner and um, and your semi-finalist or, or perhaps semi-finalist wild card because I think there seems a consensus that England and India are probably going to be in there, um, but maybe the, the other two. And if, and if one of them uh, is, is going to be a surprise package, then uh, all the better. Go on, Miller. Go on then, right. Okay, so I reckon England and India will meet in the semis um, for whatever reason. Um, so I think I think India will probably trip over. I think England will get to the final. I think India will India will blow it. Um, Excellent, this is super specific as well. <laughs> Narrative as well. And I think well. Pakistan will beat England as they did in 1992. Just <laughs> because. Just because. The thing is, if Pakistan end up beating India... Before the final, I think that will go India's way. I think Pakistan will will will, will trip up, but get Pakistan to a final in India. I think I think they will be they will be a potent force, put it that way. Uh, so yeah, that 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 that's that's how. And, and I reckon let's go with South Africa. I reckon the Reza Hendricks factor will will give them a lift that they haven't felt for a while, but they'll still get steamrolled in the, in the <laughs> crucial moment in the semi final as. Yes. It tends to happen. We won't mention the uh, the the c word. Um, <laughs> Matt, your go. Um, I will say that India will beat England in the final, and the losing semi finalists will be Pakistan. And I think Australia will do it, despite Miller's naysaying. I I, I do agree that there's a sort of innate conservatism around Labuschagne's last minute um, reselection, but I I still think they will probably end up. They'll they'll go into a few games where they goes for this sort of all-rounder packed balance where they only pick three proper bowlers and, and go in with, um, you know, 
uh, four all-rounders splitting 20 overs between them, which will allow them to go hard even if there are two players in the middle middle overs who uh, aren't necessarily that way inclined as a sort of a general rule of thumb. But I think Australia will, you know, they, they have some tough tough venues at the start. They play India first up in, in Chennai, I think, and then two games in Lucknow, which could be a... Uh, could, could expose their lack of spin bowling completely and uh, obviously head is a big miss at the start of the tournament but I think if they get through those then they, they should be there or thereabouts come the shake-up. Uh, well, I'm definitely rooting for uh, one of the uh, the Asian triumvirate of Bangladesh, Sri Lanka uh, or Afghanistan to upset this uh, apple cart and uh, get into the last four. Um, we'll obviously revisit these as the tournament goes on uh hopefully we'll be hearing from matt uh, quite regularly um if one or two other things to sweep up from the last time we uh chatted miller i mean it, there's it was the most context-free uh, encounter that probably most of us can remember but england did play ireland in an odi series as <laughs> Yeah. Sort of a World Cup preparation. I was wondering uh, where you were going there. I couldn't remember what, what else has happened. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd be forgiven for having scrubbed most of it from your memory, not least because two of the games ended, uh, suffered a sort of watery fate. Um, Matt, Matt, you were there, in fact, at Headingley, watching it rain. Um, and uh, uh, that led to delayed uh, debuts for a host of. Uh, young uh, Lions, uh, Sam Hain, or not so young in his case, but. Um, Tom Hartley, George Scrimshaw, uh, and one other whose name now escapes me. Um, but um, the, the, I suppose there is a little bit of context in that some of these um, players could end up in the uh, uh, Jamie Smith. That was it. In the mix for uh, for World Cup reserve spots um, because we're not entirely sure whether Jason Roy is or isn't. A reserve batter for this tournament, uh, Matt. As you're the man on the ground there, what's the what's your understanding? Uh, my understanding is that Roy is available. Um, I suppose the question is who would have to be injured for him to be the obvious next man in. I suppose it would be one of the two opening bats, and I can't really see beyond that. Um, you know, England made pretty clear that uh, they they're only they only really saw him as as viable if he was the starting opener in the squad. So I don't really see how that would change you know if Joe Root went down for example I think they'd probably be more likely to um, you know Brooke would go into the team in the first instance and then it would feel like a more natural fit to have for example Ben Duckett coming into that side or maybe even Zach Crawley um, but yeah I think I think England have probably wise, wisely kept counsel in terms of who's on standby and who the reserves are because you know, there's no need to bring everyone out here it's not that long a flight um, you can do it overnight and uh, yeah I, I think if you know, if if uh, if the quick, if one of the quicks go down, they'll hope that Archer is back up to speed by that stage, and they can fight him in. That sort of, you know, it's been no secret all along that that's kind of the uh, the plan is uh, to draft him in and hope he he's fit enough to have a big impact at the back end of the group stage, uh, and then heading into the knockouts. But yeah, um, I. I, I, my my experience of that Ireland series was basically spending uh, forty eight hours in Leeds. Uh, for, for fairly scant reward, um, I don't think I saw a single four bowls. Um, it it rained on the both. on the on the <laughs> on the training day as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, but yeah, um, it, that was a slight a slightly strange series, and I, I think <laughs> obviously again probably spoke to England's uh, not quite ideal build up. In that I think they had expected that the World Cup would be maybe starting a week or two later than it actually is. Therefore, 
uh, thought that they might be able to use that as good preparation for the for the World Cup squad against another potential World Cup opponent in Ireland uh, before a week or so off and then flying out for the warm-ups. But obviously, uh, none of those quite came to pass and we ended up with the slightly strange spectacle of Zach Crawley lifting a, a trophy in a tracksuit in an indoor school in Bristol. Um, so, yeah, it was a slightly odd series, but I suppose... Uh, you know the glimpses of, of that we did get of England's B or even C in some cases string um, was a good reminder of just how uh, much depth they have in, in in white ball cricket and how seamlessly a lot of those players transferred to fifty over cricket despite fairly limited experience in the format is probably good signs heading forward uh, in the the road to the twenty twenty seven World Cup. Although um, that that feels slightly careless <laughs> to be talking about on the uh, you know what forty eight hours out from the twenty twenty three one. Yeah, I suppose the, the one the one the one thing the, the one thing forgotten about that that uh, that um, contest or lack of contest was the. The, the washout at Bristol when when England left five hundred on the table essentially. I mean, they, they, yes, they, it, it was. I mean, obviously, you know, they didn't quite have the depth of batting that they might have done on, on any uh, with the A team out there. But I think they, well, I think when they got their four hundred ninety eight in when you were out there, weren't you in, uh, in in the Netherlands? They were about one hundred and seventy four, I think, at thirty overs, and this time they were they were two hundred two hundred two hundred flying. So uh, two hundred eighty for four from thirty one. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I mean, absolutely preposterous numbers. Well and, up with um, the ten and over rate, yeah. <laughs> well up with it. So you know that was one of the great what might have been's. Um, in terms of in terms of what we you know the original question was about reserve players and who might who might come off the bench. And again, it's really interesting just um, what England are looking for. And you know they they were talking talking in very couch terms about about Roy trying desperately not to say he's ancient history. It's, well, yeah. everything everything they've done to to cut him out of the squad and. The T20 squad before that kind of suggests they moved on from him, but in terms of in terms of um, who really made a case, Will Jacks, you know, as a guy who, you know, well, I think he was player of the series, wasn't he? He's a he's a he can both spin as well. He's Roy's opening partner for for Invincibles and Surrey, and has been out outperforming him for a while now already. And it just again it comes it comes down to what England are looking for in their in their players and Roy. Epitomised the fearlessness, the the run towards the danger approach that that got them to the 2019 World Cup, and as we talked about last time out, it kind of feels as though he's he's feeling a bit of the fear now. He 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 senses that he's got something to prove every time he goes out to bat, and in so doing, it actually undermines his USP in the first place. And I sense that guys, the guys we saw belting it left, right, and centre in that in that series, particularly at Bristol before the rain, were guys who are completely immersed in this in this feeling that yeah we we are we're bulletproof insofar as we're trusted to just go as hard as we possibly can and um if we, if, it, if it's not our day we're not going to get judged by it i feel as though roy is now feeling judged when it's not his day and that i feel is a crucial crucial change of change of mindset that, that snuck into his game in the last couple of years which means i'd be i would be surprised if they went for him if an opportunity arose to bring him back in because what's what do you get if you bring Jason Roy back in? Jason Roy with a point to prove is not the same as Jason Roy with absolutely nothing to prove. Uh, and I I I I feel as though England ought to move on from him. And Will Jack strikes me as a as a much better prospect. Ben Duckett, given what we know he can do on 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 Asian pitches with his with his range of sweep shots, these guys feel like they are more the coming players. And you know Zach Crawley, I don't think is in the reckoning, but Zach Crawley actually it's kind of an interesting comparison 
as far as I'm concerned, Zach Crawley and Jason Roy in in terms of what those two players have, have epitomised for their two respective formats, i.e. Test cricket in Crawley's case and, um, and the white ball game in Roy's. Both of them have been backed over and above any other player. So you'd say, you are facing the first ball of our innings. You are going to blaze it, be it you know, straight through the covers of Pat Cummins in, in, in the ashes or, or, or nicking off, as it were, or smacking it straight to point. First ball of his career in the case of Roy. You're not going to get judged either way. It either comes off or it doesn't. And that, I suppose, is the, is the key thing. It's like if England are, are completely buying into the mindset that, that is going to get them to the final again, uh, they are going to have to go with players who are, who are utterly, com- utterly in conviction with the approach they're taking. Um, and Milan, as we touched on last time, I feel as though he's kind of he's, he's there now because he's got the confidence that, 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 uh, that perhaps makes up for the, the lack of proactivity that perhaps uh, uh, we've always accused him of in, 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 in his previous white ball career, if you see what I mean. So, I don't Some know. Some people in particular it, it, all, 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 yeah, pointing their fingers. <laughs> no, but but no, I mean, you know, there's actually no doubt that the, the confidence that he's playing with at the moment um, makes him a first choice pick and and puts him front and centre of the way that England can attack this tournament. He has got a license to attack uh, for the reasons we were talking about at the top of the pod. Is like he is in such a good frame of mind and he has he's got this faith in his game that you know what I once I've gone deep, I can go big and you know fifty overs as I think all the teams are going to discover. And we've had Mark Nicholas talking about how 50 of a cricket should be the only in World Cups, etc. All these players going into this World Cup, of all, all of them, every single country, have all got this one thing in common, is they have not played as much 50 of a cricket in this cycle as previously. All of them are going to find a bit of either vertigo, thinking, ooh, this is, a, this is a long way to go, or thinking, wow, opportunity, this is a long way to go, and I could get a monster here. So um, that, that's kind of... Uh, Kind of the, the run towards the danger in Excelsis, isn't it? It's uh, that, that's kind of, that's kind of what that's kind of what this tournament could be defined by, I suspect. Yeah, and well, with uh, nine group stage games, plenty of time to actually uh, hit top form. Um, yeah, just on the on the backups or potential backups were Jack's ninety four off eighty eight uh, in the Trent Bridge game, Sam Hain eighty nine off eighty two on on debut, Ben Duckett scored a seventy two ball, made an ODI hundred in the washout at Bristol. There was. An interesting debut as well for, for, for Scrimshaw, who I think was uh, conceded 34 off his first uh, 11 legitimate balls uh, as, a, as an England player. Took a wicket with his 12th and ended up with something like 3 for 60. So uh, a heartening tale in the end. And the other thing about that series, Miller to dovetail seamlessly into the end of the county season, was that it was um, not the most conveniently scheduled uh, as far as the, uh, the denouement of the county championship went. Um, as Surrey wrapped up a, 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 um, a second consecutive championship title, I think 21st outright overall, they've done all right, it's fair to say. But uh, Alex Stewart wasn't too uh, chuffed uh, about having lost a couple of his players, Will Jacks um, and Jamie Smith, for that uh, sort of run in. Um, Essex pushed them pretty close until uh, they blew up on the final day of the penultimate round uh, against Hampshire. Um, Liam Dawson inspired Hampshire to, to um, talk about World Cup heroes past. But, um, uh, I mean, I suppose, uh, uh, to, to get to the double, this is just what the, the 
county uh, coaches and, and and hierarchy have to live with in the in the future, isn't it, uh, Miller? The the schedule next summer isn't getting any um, any easier to to get your head around, and um, and the, the the cricket schedule worldwide is is just a case of liking it or lumping it. Yeah, and ne- next summer's schedule is, is absolutely horrific. I'll, I'll, I'll state I'll state it state it here. I I I, I can't say I'm I'm not looking forward to next summer because it's going you know it's cricket it's always fun but but I I that I mean Stuart said it very six well. Months it, to come know, it's meant to be, meant to be <laughs> super September. It's anything but. I mean the, the the end of the season is an absolute binfire. But we'll, we'll face it when we come to it. But but on, on Stuart's wider points, I mean, funnily enough, he was um, his anger came out. I thought I thought it was a slightly slightly sour moment to get quite so cross in the moment of victory. But actually, all of that anger had been stored up from um, the previous round when obviously uh, Surrey were were blowing it against Northants at the same time as as Essex were blazing it against Hampshire at Chelmsford, and it looked as though briefly if if Essex had closed out the victory that they were setting the setting the tempo towards they could conceivably have closed the gap to five points and then it had all been up for grabs and of course Essex had Dan Lawrence who made an important 50 uh, ultimately in defeat but it, it looked important at the time who didn't get a, get a get a go in the England squad precisely because uh, Essex was still in the running and they got a smaller squad and then obviously Surrey the Golden Boys who've got a Man City sized squad that can they can rotate at will and um they were missing two key players and blowing it and looking like they were good. They were made to follow on against North Ants and, and all, all hell was breaking loose. And so he was clearly sabre rattling at that point. And, and it sounded from Vish, Vish was down at, down at, at, at one of the Ireland games and it sounded as though um, Jackson Smith were going to be thrown in straight away so they could go back and play in the, play in the crucial championship decider. And then obviously Essex lost. And uh, we lost a lot of the jeopardy going into that final round, but uh, still, I mean, Stuart had a righteous point to make at the end of it all. That uh, um, you know, it's not ideal to um, to rob a team pushing for glory of two very crucial components of that team. But ultimately, that's kind of the, the uh, to go back to your original point. That, that's that's really where county cricket, to be honest, has always been. I mean, county uh, the whole whole county setup, everything about the. The, the, the first class system and the 18 counties etc has always been about the betterment of the England team everything has been about creating players to go a play for England I mean that, that's precisely why they had to invert the pyramid and invent the 100 because you know nothing about the way the ECB was structured was was particularly uh, favourable to to you know the, the individual domestic arrangements and so you know that, that, nothing changes on that front you know if you succeed Playing for your county, you're going to be in the shop window, whether it's you know, for the for the hundred or whether it's hundred. I, I, I talk across purposes, but whether it's for England ultimately, or more um, more frequently now for franchise tournaments, you know you're going to get you're going to your best players are going to get picked off uh, because they're good players, and so um, you know that that's that's something that's I mean the can, directors of cricket are, are welcome to rail against the way things are, and, and they probably should. But the status quo, I think uh, Stuart knows well as anyone that the status quo is is what it is, and that there's no really no real escaping the the extraordinary pressure for time within the English English summer, particularly as, as I said, the next summer when we've got a ICC event midway through that summer in the USA. Um, I mean, it's going to cause bedlam, absolute bedlam to to England's international schedule, the county schedule, the the the, the hundred, the 
50 of a cup, everything is going to get squeezed um, by a lack of available time and uh, it's probably going to rain as well. So yeah, fun and games, we'll, we'll cross all that when, uh, when, we, when we come to it next summer. Super September uh, sounds <laughs> super. I'm sure um, Stuart, as a um, you know a uh, big Chelsea fan, could tell you having um, a, an enormous squad to pick from isn't always yeah. such yeah. a good thing. Um, there, we also had uh, Durham uh, getting their getting their soul back and getting promotion to uh, Division One. Vish has written a nice piece about that on the site. There was a, a domestic double for Southern Vipers. Um, again, uh, Valkyrie was covering that for us. Uh, Charlotte Edwards just adding to the trophy cabinet. Um, but I think that is probably enough from us for today. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to separate the Ameda bad from the Ameda good as England's World Cup defence gets going. Uh, hopefully hearing plenty more about Matt's adventures along the way. Until then, thanks for tuning in. Please feel free to rate us in all the usual places and keep up with all the latest from the tournament at espncrickinfo.com. Listener.